What would you ask God if he was standing right in front of you? Or if you had the chance to write God a letter and he had to answer, what would you say? I came across a post the other day where a bunch of third graders wrote letters to God and I thought they were pretty funny. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? Dear God, how come you didn't invent any new animals lately? We still have just all the old ones. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There is nothing good in there now. Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes. And dear God, I think the stapler is one of your greatest inventions. If there's one thing that I've got a lot of in life, it's questions. And oftentimes, the closer I follow Jesus, the more questions I end up having. And I know I'm not alone in this. In fact, when you read the Gospels, Jesus' disciples always seem to have more questions than anyone. Jesus said and did a lot of things that left people scratching their head. It was hard for the people 2,000 years ago to understand, and it could be even more confusing for us in 2023. That's why for the next four weeks, we are looking at some of the most confusing moments in the life of Jesus. Today, we're going to look at a passage that is found in the Gospel of Luke. At this time in Jesus's life, he was getting a lot of attention because of his miracles and his teachings. Jesus had gained quite a large following and people were coming from all over to see this Jesus guy who could apparently heal the sick and give sight to the blind and even raise the dead. Jesus is calling many people to come and follow him. Some do and some don't. It's one man's response that leads us to our confusing moment. This is where we pick up our passage today. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is perhaps one of the strangest responses we've seen to someone saying that they want to follow Jesus. When Jesus called his followers, we had seen people leave everything behind to follow him. And we'd also seen people resistant to follow him because of a love of money and comfort. This seems to be like such an odd response from Jesus. And people have struggled with Jesus's response for centuries. Now, the confusion boils down to two questions. Number one, why is Jesus being so unreasonable here? And number two, what does his statement actually mean? Today, we're going to answer both of those questions and what we can see and learn to apply to our own lives from this passage. So let's start with the first one. Why is Jesus being so unreasonable here? Now, obviously, Jesus's work is very important, but we're talking about family here. Where is Jesus's compassion? Where is Jesus's understanding? I mean, this man just wants to be there for his family after the passing of his father. He just wants to attend his own father's funeral. And Jesus is saying, no, why can't this man do both? Why can't he attend his father's funeral and follow Jesus? It seems like Jesus's management style would violate a lot of workers' rights. But is that what's going on here? Is this guy just asking for a weekend off and Jesus is denying his time off request? The, the problem here is that we're making a lot of assumptions about what this man is requesting and we don't have a lot of information about his situation. First of all, we need to understand that this man never actually said that his father was dead. Okay, but Nathan, he literally said, let me go bury my father first. 
Well, what's more likely is that this man is trying to fulfill his duty as the oldest son to be near the father upon his death in order to obtain his inheritance, which included burying the father. No doubt this man's father was nearing the end of his life and this man is requesting to be with him in his final days before following Jesus. Now, I hear you saying, Nathan, you're also making a big assumption to say he's not already dead. And you're right. It's possible that this man's father was already dead. But even if he was, this leads me to my next point, which is this, that the process of Jewish burial was a long process. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was buried in a tomb? I mean, why wasn't he buried in the ground? It seems like a lot of work to carve out a whole cave for just one body, right? Well, that's because the process of burying bodies for Jewish people was a lot different than today. Instead of just burying a body in a coffin and calling it a day, the body will be placed in a tomb and it would be left there to decompose for up to a year. And then once the body was decomposed, a member of the family would gather the bones up and bury them along with the rest of their ancestors. We actually see this happen all the way back in the Old Testament where Joseph, who died in Egypt, requests that his descendants bring his remains back to Canaan to be buried with his ancestors. Now, once the bones are removed from the tomb, another body gets placed in it and the process starts back over again. So even if this man's father is already dead, this man's not asking for a weekend off. He's asking for months, if not years. It's easy to blame Jesus for being unreasonable, but Jesus knew that his time was coming up. Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified in a matter of time. He didn't have years to wait for this guy. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been receiving so many spam calls recently. It seems like twice a day I'm getting a call from a random number and it always goes the same way. Hello? You are being sued by the government of Canada. And then I hang up. So either these are all spam calls or I'm in hot water with the CRA, but it's gotten to the point where I never pick up my phone anymore. I mean, even if there's a chance that it's someone I know, it's just not worth the hassle. What would you do if you got a call from God? Would you pick up? I mean, what if God was knocking on your door? Would you open it? When it comes to the call of God in our lives, we have one of three responses. Number one, we can say yes. We can allow Jesus into our lives and we can follow him closely. And we see this when Jesus called his first disciples. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. No questions asked. They dropped everything to follow Jesus. But we can also say no. We can decline God's invitation because it's more comfortable where we're at. I mean, following Jesus would mean sacrifice and we're just not sure if we're ready for that yet. We see this when a rich young ruler asked Jesus what he would need to do to gain eternal life. And after listing off all of the good deeds that he had done, Jesus said this to him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Sorry, Jesus. I just got too much on the line to follow you. And, and to be fair, Jesus does ask a lot. Following Jesus does mean you'll have to sacrifice. 
And to this man, the gain of following Jesus just wasn't worth the loss to his comfort and security. Now, our last option is we can say, kind of. And that's really what this man is saying in this story. He's saying, I see some value in you, Jesus, but I'll get around to it when I have more time. I've got more important things to worry about. In the hierarchy of things in this man's life, Jesus was not at the top. And there are some of us today who have the same attitude towards God. It's this cultural Christianity where we do enough to rep the Christian badge, but Jesus isn't really at the center of our lives. The Bible refers to this as being lukewarm. You're not, you're not cold to God, but you're not on fire for God either. You're just kind of like in the middle. You're, man, God's kind of cool, I guess. We sort of tack God on to the end of our lives and we hope that that's enough. So in this passage, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to attend your family's funeral. He is saying that following him is not something that we just tack on to the end of our lives. It's not something that we get around to if we have time. A Christ-centered life means everything else flows from your relationship with God. And here's something really interesting. I love Jesus's response because it shows his attitude towards what he's offering. Do you know why Jesus was so uncompromising in his response? Saying, no, no, if you're gonna follow me, it's gonna be now. It's because Jesus was the one who had everything to offer. Sometimes we can fall into this idea that we're doing God a favor by following him. You know, I'll serve you on a Sunday. I'll give you some money. I'll pray for that person. You're welcome, God. What would you do without me? We've got it backwards. This man was not doing Jesus a favor by following him. Jesus is the one adding value to his life. If Jesus was just trying to gain a following to build up his brand or start a revolution, then yeah, he would need that guy. And I'm sure that his response would be very different. But Jesus had everything to offer, so he doesn't budge. It's an honor to follow Jesus. And if we're not jumping at the opportunity, ready to leave everything behind, then maybe we don't truly understand what Jesus is offering. And if you've never before made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that later. Okay, but what did Jesus actually mean when he said, let the dead bury the dead? I mean, that's a weird response, right? I mean, how do dead people bury dead people? Now, once again, we're trying to understand a statement in the 21st century that was said 2,000 years ago in a completely different language, in a completely different culture. Now, when Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, he uses a Greek word called nekros for the word dead. And this word, it can refer to somebody who is dead physically, who has breathed their last breath. But it can also refer to somebody who is spiritually dead. All throughout the Bible, this metaphor of being dead to the things of God is used to describe somebody who is cold to God, unresponsive to God, or distant from God, or someone who has cut themselves off to the things of God. In the Old Testament, it was used to describe somebody who was dead to the law. And in the New Testament, it's used to describe somebody who is dead to Christ. You know, it's somebody who has no interest in God, someone who has a cold heart to the things of God. So what Jesus is saying here is he's essentially saying, let those who are worldly or dead to the things of God bury those who are physically dead. But remember, Jesus is referring directly to this man's request to spend months or even years handling the death, burial, and inheritance of his father. Jesus isn't saying that those things aren't important, but he is saying those things can be handled by people who have no interest in God, but you have greater things to spend your time doing. 
I mean, anybody can organize a funeral, but only a Christ follower can bring God's life-changing power to the lives of those who are lost. So Jesus is essentially saying, let those who have no interest in me worry about inheritances and worldly affairs. You've got more important things to worry about. And this actually leads us to our big idea of today. Never let the things of this world take priority over the things of God. This man says, I'll follow you after I deal with all of these things. But Jesus says, no, 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 I am the thing in your life. Now, his attitude is perfectly summed up in two words in his response to Jesus. Me first. Why don't you just circle that on your outline? Me first. Let me first go bury my father. It's me first and then you. How do the words me first seep into your life? I mean, how many times have you said, let me first finish school, then I'll get serious about God. Let me first get that promotion, then I'll get serious about God. Let me first get married. Let me first have kids. Let me first retire and then God. Who and what in your life is the number one priority? Who or what in your life are you using as an excuse to not follow Jesus? Because at the end of your life, all of those things that took priority over God will fade away. You can't take any of it with you when you die. All you'll be left with is how you responded to God's call on your life. This simple conversation has a loaded message. This one simple line, let the dead bury the dead, reveals an attitude that we should adopt as Christ followers in how we view the things of this world. Your friends who don't follow Jesus, they prioritize their jobs above everything else. They prioritize their money, their happiness, their looks, even their families above all else. And these things aren't bad, but they're not the number one thing. This verse is not about funerals. You can attend your father's funeral. You can pursue success. You can prioritize your family. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if doing any of these things means saying no to Jesus, then you've got your priorities wrong. And Jesus used this analogy once to describe the response that we should have when discovering God's call on his life. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and he bought it. You see, when you discover what God has to offer you, just like this man, you'll realize that it's worth more than anything that this world has to offer. If you've ever gone thrifting before, you know that when you find that one item that you've been looking for, there's really no time to think. You don't say, you know, I'll come back in a week or two and buy it. No, no, you buy it right away. And sometimes you pay a high price for it because I mean, who knows if it's still gonna be there tomorrow. And what Jesus offers us, forgiveness, purpose, new life in Christ, it's worth way more than that job you just landed. It's worth way more than the car that you worked so hard for. It is the choice pearl that you sell everything for immediately. But for some of us, we don't really view God like a pearl. We view him as this tacky antique. You know, it has some sentimental value to us, but we'll store it away in the closet when people come over because it's embarrassing. We've got better things to put out on display. Is that how you view your relationship with God? How much value do you place on your relationship with God? Where on the hierarchy of your life is he? You might say, well, how can I find out? Well, simply ask one question, and it's this. What in your life, if God asked you to give it up, would you say no to? And I think if we're honest, there's many things. We've got our priorities wrong. It's time to adjust. 
And you know what the beautiful thing is? When we make the main thing the main thing, everything else falls into place. It doesn't mean everything else will get easier, but it does mean that you will experience life as it was meant to be experienced. You will find greater purpose and joy in the other things in life. With God at the center, your family will be blessed. Your job will be blessed. You will view your possessions differently because everything will be in its proper place. And that's why Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. God's got such a great life in store for you. Would you trust him in that? How will you respond to the call of God in your life? Will you be like the disciples? I'll follow you wherever you go. Will you be like the rich young ruler? No, 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 it's too much for me. Or will you be like the man in the story? Yes, God, but I've got more important things to first. How will you respond today? Today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to make that decision. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to the call of God on your life. The forgiveness, the purpose, and the joy that he's offering you is right there at the door. All you have to do is let him in. And if you've never before made that decision, I wanna pray a special, simple prayer with you to have you invite Jesus into your life, to leave everything else behind and chase after that choice pearl, the forgiveness of God that he offers you. So if that's you today, Wherever you're at, I would love for you to pray this with me. Say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've turned my own way and I've done my own thing. I don't deserve your love. I could never earn your love. But today I choose to accept this gift of forgiveness that you offer me. I choose to turn away from my sin and I choose to follow you. I know I won't be perfect, but I know that I'm a child of God. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. And God, for every other person listening today, I just pray a special prayer over those of us who've maybe already made a decision to follow you, but we've got our priorities wrong. Help us to place you back at the center of our lives. God, we look to you, we love you, and we pray this in your name, amen. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, my best advice for you is to text the number on the screen there's a pastor on the other end of that phone number. And then we'd love to tell you what your next steps are in your faith with Jesus and to get you plugged in and connected. God bless.